0: vocalists thanks congregation please take a seat wonderful to be with you today we're going to do a little bit of a bible study so I want to get cracking straight away Um, we're looking at a passage in the bible um, 2nd chronicles chapter 20 but before we really delve into the bible I want to just relate a story that I read recently about a Navy chaplain whose name was Kerry Cash. He actually happened to be the great nephew of the country singer, Johnny Cash. Um, He was the leader and the spiritual mentor for one of the divisions in uh, the United States Marines. And they crossed into Iraq on March the 20th, 2003. It was part of what they called Operation Iraqi Freedom. This is what he wrote. It ended up that we were to be engaged in a very pivotal battle uh, in the collapse of Baghdad and the capture of Saddam Hussein. My unit lost the first man in the US invasion, but we were to see many lives spared through supernatural intervention. I had been spiritually preparing the men for 40 days prior to the invasion while we were camped in the kuwaiti desert i had previously started a 12-week bible study and talked to the men about following christ and i held several christianity explained counseling sessions before the invasion 60 of my marines gave their hearts to jesus christ and were baptized Altogether. We saw 250 men make professions of faith before and during the battle. As it turned out, there wasn't much of a battle, at least for us Marines. The the battle was all God's. And I believe He sent His angels to protect us. We crossed into the into Iraq and we encountered an unpredicted line of tanks, but for some reason, without explanation, They never fired. And 3,000 enemy soldiers surrendered en masse. Then while storming the presidential palace, we faced an ambush of 1,000 troops and 1,500 rocket propelled grenades. The grenades came at us all right, but then they curved around us or they were battered down as if some unseen hand was at work. I saw another grenade go off inside a Humvee, but it exploded outwards instead of inwards and not a single soldier was killed. I remembered countless letters I had received from the churches saying, we're praying specifically that when you cross the border, God will restrain and confuse the enemy. The fact that those guns never fired, that 3,000 soldiers surrendered en masse and that the grenades went off target... Tells me God answered their prayers. Hallelujah. Today, Lord, we pray you would answer our prayers. Lord, we pray that you would lead us in an understanding of what's not normal, what's outside the natural realm, what's beyond the natural. Lord, the Christian life is not meant to be lived normally. So we pray that you'd help us to live it beyond the normal, in the supernatural. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's have a look at this example where faith turned, or test of faith turned into a time of praise. It's, uh, as I mentioned, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're starting at verse 1. This... um, is a, a little bit of a study. So we're looking at a bit of a word study. And then in between, uh, at various points, I'm going to ask you to, to um, be engaged in a physical way. So I'm going to ask you maybe stand up. I might ask you to sit down. Are oh, you already sitting? Well done. I might, ask, I might ask you to raise your hands. Um, I might ask you to sing. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, this is church, isn't it? Yeah, we, we can raise our hands. Yeah. And we can sing. Yeah, yeah, good, good. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, it's pretty interesting to note that, that first part of the verse, it happened after this. So that, that means that really to get a full understanding of what this whole chapter is about, we need to know what happened before. So all of this happened after what happened before. And before, we we find out that Jehoshaphat is David's great, great, great grandson. King David, that is. He's followed in the line of kings. And um, we see that he was a good king, because the kingdom of Israel had now been divided. And we see that Jehoshaphat was one of the good, good guys. Um, He did things like... um, He followed in the ways of his father David. He removed the shrines on high places so that people couldn't worship there. He set up itinerant teaching priests to go around in the uh, kingdom of Judah and uh, speak the law and teach the law, unpack the principles of God. Um, He fortified the cities. He retained an army. He had an army of over 1.2 million experienced soldiers. Um, he began a travelling and honest judicial judicial system, and he received gifts um, of homage from the Philistines and from the Arabs. It's pretty interesting that all of that happened in the lead-up to this story. Verse 2, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. Now, beyond the sea, they're talking the Dead Sea here. So basically, the countries that were on the east of Judah have come around the bottom of the Dead Sea, and they've come up, and they're at Engedi. Now, this, uh, on the Bible map, you can actually, i use my thumb to work out the distances. They're about 41 kilometers from Jerusalem. So these, this three-nation army have gathered together and now Jehoshaphat's just getting word of it and they're only 41 kilometers away from the capital. Um, it's pretty amazing. Three nations gathered together, 41 kilometers away from the capital. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. Comma. Jehoshaphat feared. You know, fear is an interesting thing. We, in our prayer meeting before church today, there was, there was quite a little um, prayer, a lot of prayer going on about fear, asking God to break fear. And, and, and I'm going to ask that God will do that in this very meeting today. The word fear there is, is meaning uh, not just, oh, I, I'm not sure if I'm a bit scared. It's meaning more like absolute dread, absolute dread, terror a growing sense of foreboding. This is not good. And in our life, fear is a natural response. And we can let it stop us. Or we can let, us, we can let it move us into action. Um, I think fear is like putting all our faith in the wrong place. We, we let it become more than what it really is and the situation escalates, and it's all happened in our mind. I thought that it's like if we call life like a game, in that game of life, when fear versus reason, fear usually wins. But fear is also an attribute that's given to us by God so that it's meant to push us towards him. Regardless, fear is an opportunity for us to come to God. I really like this quotation from Dr. E. Stanley Jones, who was a Methodist missionary to India. He says, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air. But in faith and confidence, I breathe freely. These are my native air. So don't stop at the comma. And Jehoshaphat feared comma. Reading on. And set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Set himself to seek the Lord. Uh, I don't know if people do it these days. When my kids were growing up, we used to get them to set the table. Um Setting the table, as many of you will know if you're not a microwave dinner generation, (laughs) setting the table is like you put the knife and the fork in a particular place. You have your bread and butter plate. You have your glass. You might have the condiments. You might have the seasonings. You put them in a particular place and they are set. When people come, it's all ready for them. So they're set in place. When I was younger, I used to make plaster of Paris moulds of the Seven Dwarfs. We had these, we had these little rubber moulds and you'd mix up your plaster of Paris mixture and pour it in. And then my dad would say, no, you just have to wait. It's got to set. It's got to harden. It's got to set. It's got to stay, remain in place. I was always wanting to pull the, pull the mould off uh, prematurely. Um, and I did that occasionally. And, you know, you lost Sleepy's head or something like that. You have to wait for it to set. Well, this is what it says here. He set, this is the meaning of the word set. He set himself to seek the Lord. He positioned himself. He he faced towards God. He he put himself in a position where he wasn't going to move. Because, you know, sometimes the Lord calms the storm, but sometimes he lets the storm rage. And calms the child. And uh, keep in mind that this is the king. And this is the nation's leader. He's setting himself to seek the Lord. What he does next is he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. The king of the, the nation, a national leader, setting himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast. Let's pray for our nation's leader. I really, I really want to do that. And and not just the political leaders, but business leaders. And leaders in organisations and charitable organisations. And leaders in families and leaders in home. Would you join me? If you feel like it, no. I'm going to instruct you. Lift, Lift one hand, right or left. Doesn't matter. The Bible says we're going to pray lifting holy hands. <clears throat> Father, we pray today for all the leaders in our community, in our society of this great nation, Australia. We pray, Lord, for the, the leaders at the top of the political uh, climate. They're the ones who are who are dictating and ruling and reigning, in a sense, in our country. Lord, the ones who call the shots. Father, we pray for them that they would have a sense of godly purpose. Lord, that that they might, I don't know, in a way that they might set themselves to hear from you, that they might not recognize that it's you, but that they will hear from you and they will um, make judgments and decisions accordingly. We pray, Father, for um, school principals. We pray, Lord, for um, leaders in business. We pray for community leaders, leaders of charitable organizations. Lord, we pray for leaders of churches. Lord, we ask that Every one of them would have an understanding in some way of what you are doing, um, even if they don't acknowledge you. Lord, you're at work in our country. You are busy with leaders. And uh, Father, as a group of followers, we pray for our leaders now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 4. So, Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So, from all the cities of Judah, it's not just a Jerusalem thing, it's all the cities of Judah coming together. And when they came together, there's a physical coming together, but there's also a display of their heart. So, they come together, they're in one place. But not only are they standing next to one another, their hearts are united. because they they have been instructed by their their leader to pray and to fast. And so they're coming together with that purpose, to seek the Lord. Now, my goodness, in the 21st century, we've kind of lost a little of the the edge of fasting, what it is. It's become kind of like a lost art. I think most Christians would understand the concept of fasting, but not, not everyone kind of subscribes to the biblical notion of fasting. So we've, in our society, we've watered it down so it becomes like it's compatible with our lifestyle. <clears throat> so we might fast technology. We might fast chocolate. And I'm not saying that's not good, but I'm just saying I don't think it's actually the biblical um, way of fasting um, we, we almost water it down so that fasting doesn't actually inconvenience, inconvenience us or even cost us anything but the kind of prayer that they're talking about here is beyond that schedule of, of working with my roster working with my routine it's beyond the, our lifestyle it's beyond inconvenience it's beyond comfort it's actually beyond the natural which is where we are as Christians supposed to be living, beyond the natural. It's the kind of fasting like uh, is uh, recorded here. I found this in a Lifeway publication. It says it's it's like the fast of Daniel to see the nation delivered from captivity. We're talking big. It's it's like the fast of David to save the life of his infant son. It's like the fast of Esther. To deliver her people from certain destruction and it's like the fast of jehoshaphat to turn the tables against the opposing three-nation army and it's that kind of fast that you and i would choose when we recognize excuse me when we recognize our own powerlessness and that we turn our heart to seek god's intervening strength we we can't do anything it's beyond us. We don't know what to do. So we come to God and we fast and we pray. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. And it sees results as we're going to find out here as we read on in the story. There's a saying that says desperate times calls for desperate measures. But I'm going to change it today. Desperate times calls for desperate prayer. Desperate times call for desperate prayer. Some of you might feel like you're in desperate times. Some of you might feel that you, like Tim was saying today, there's things that come in against you. You might have got a bad report medically. You might have got a bad report financially. You might have heard about interest rates and gone, oh. You may have stopped at the comma. You might have bad report relationally. Your family. You might have a bad report um, with your schooling. You might have a bad report in a number of things. Now, just sit and think for a minute. When I mentioned those things, did anything resonate with you? And if it did, what I'm going to ask you to do is stand in your place where you are, and then we're going to pray. We'll wait on the Holy Spirit because I don't want anyone to stop at the comma. So let's wait for a moment, and if you feel that God is speaking to you, you've stopped at the comma, I want you to stand, and then we'll pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're near somebody who's standing, just direct your hand toward them. It's like we're raising our hands and we're calling out to God. Father, you see the honesty of these people. Lord, each one precious to you. Father, you see there's young people and older people. Parents are standing, single people. You know what has stopped them at the comma. Lord, your desire is for them not to be in that position of inaction, inactivity, ground to a halt. You want, Lord, for people to be moving on in you. Father, I pray for you to break the power of fear. In fact, in Jesus' name, I break the power of fear over these people that are standing today. I break it in Jesus' name, and I pray for breakthrough now in Jesus' name, light to shine where there was darkness, hope to come where there was discouragement and despair. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that this week would see a change. They would see a change because, Lord, they've stood and they said, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm setting myself to seek the Lord. I've taken the position to seek God in my situation. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, we look for the testimonies now in Jesus' name. We look forward to hearing the stories as people go past the comma in the great and mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 God bless you, you people that stood up. We're looking, we're looking and rejoicing with you as we see the outcomes change. Hallelujah. Look, you know what? You see what you look at. You will definitely see what you look at. Have you ever seen one of those movies where the baddies are coming down the corridor and the hero's in at the bend in the corridor. They're coming from one way, coming from another way, and the hero's in the middle. And they finally get to the corner and the hero's gone. Where did he go? The baddies look at each other. They look around. They look back down the corridor they've just come from. They shake their head. And they think, it must have gone somewhere else. And they go out down the corridor that way and down the corridor that way. And then the camera pulls back and you see the hero hanging onto a pipe up in the ceiling. see, they didn't look up. They just looked around at the same plane and they only saw themselves. You will see what you're looking at. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 5, we read, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard in the temple of the Lord. There's a lot of references in this chapter to standing. Standing, falling, taking a position. This is another one. It's actually the same word that is used often in this chapter. Standing, taking a position, setting yourself. It's the same word um he was before the people and he was also before god he was in the temple so we we just have a little warning where are we standing where am i standing am i standing before god am i standing just before the people i think we we have a a mandate to be in both we need to have a mandate to stand before god then we can go and stand before people and It's interesting I noted that it was called the New Courtyard. Um, That word new there means something fresh. It's a new thing. So this is going to be like Jehoshaphat is heralding something new is going to happen. He prays, Lord, our God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You're powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God... Did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built the temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. I really like this prayer because it has some shades of the Lord's prayer in it. It has some shades of David's prayer. when the, uh, Before the temple was built, he was praying ahead of time and prophetically speaking about the temple that his son Solomon would end up building. Its effective and its persuasive speech gives us a truthful idea of who God is and it reminds all the people that are listening to the prayer at that stage. Remember, he's standing in the temple in front of the people and he's praying. And then at verse 10, we see what his request is. Now, he says to God, Now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir are doing. You wouldn't let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and didn't destroy them. Now see how they reward us. They have come to throw us out of your land which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? And this is the part I want to focus on. We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. So you remember at the start we did a very brief summary of where King Jehoshaphat's um, background had led to the opening of the chapter. And and one of the things I mentioned, he already had an army of 1.2 million experienced fighting people. He says, in the end of the prayer, we are powerless against this army that is about to attack us. Three nations coming together. So he must have had an idea of the size of the, the forces coming against him and it was overwhelming. And then he says, we don't know what to do. Um, I guess there'd be a number of options that could possibly be open to him. But before God and before the people, he's saying, we got no idea. So pretty much, he's saying we are powerless, clueless, haven't got an idea what to do. But here's the, the thing. He says, we are looking to you for help. You see, what you look at is what you see and unfortunately many people in our society if we say that we are powerless people don't get that they think we can do anything and we don't know what to do people think no no I know what to do here and they've got all the wisdom of the world and if they think a and b then they never get to see they never get to look to see what God is saying the psalmist said I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. So we're getting our eyes off the ground. We're looking up to the mountains and we're seeing beyond the mountains. We're seeing the bigger picture. Now, some of you might be on the cusp of something that is unknown. Maybe you're an HSC student and you've finished the examinations. You're not at school anymore, and you're in that in-between thing. You think you're going to be going to university, or you think you're going to be going to TAFE, or you think you're going to the workforce, but you don't know. Maybe you're a parent um, for the first time, or the second time, and you didn't, re- or the third time, and you don't really know. Like experience tells me that. Even though I had four children, each one of them was different, so I didn't really know <laughs> what I was doing. Maybe that's you as a parent. Maybe you've got a few clues, but you don't really know what you're doing. Um, perhaps you are a retiree and you're moving into a different phase of life. Maybe something else has happened <clears throat> in your life <clears throat> <clears throat> and you don't you don't particularly know what to do. So you're saying... God today, I'm powerless. I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. Would you raise your hand if you're in that position today? you think, thinking, God, what's going on? I'm powerless. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Just lift your hand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're so grateful. We're so grateful that you know. We're so grateful that you have power. We're so grateful that our eyes have been opened through the blood of Jesus and we can see you. You know, seeing God is looking face to face. It's all about the presence of God. And so, Father, today for these people with their hands raised, we all pray for them, Lord. We all pray that you would minister to them with might, with strength, to face whatever is ahead, with understanding, with ability to work through what you're saying to them and know the next step. We thank you, Lord, that we can confidently move into the future knowing that you are with us and that you are looking at us and we looking at you. We can hear you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if the band would like to come up. Um, there's a fantastic story. Um, as, the, as the Second Chronicles chapter 20 continues, we see in verse 13, all the men of Judah stood, there's that word again, they stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children. Now here's the game changer. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there and his name was Jehaziel. And I found out that his name actually meant God sees. And I thought that was interesting because the prayer of Jehoshaphat beforehand said, and we are looking to you for help. And now the person prophesying, is his name is God Sees. Um, He was the uh, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite descended from Asaph. As you know, Asaph was a compatriot or a contemporary of David, And some of the Psalms in the Bible are written by Asaph. And this is what the Spirit said to the people. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Listen, have you ever had anybody... Uh, in a situation where they're in hospital and they've been seriously ill, you're at home, uh, a relative or a friend, and you're waiting to get information from the hospital. You're wanting to hear news, information. This is the kind of listening he's talking about here. The Spirit is saying, listen. So lean in. Listen with intention. Listen carefully to what I'm going to say. You've been waiting for this. Listen. Listen. And um, the word, when he says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, that word discouraged means to be broken in pieces. Listen, don't be broken in pieces. Don't be upset. Don't be discouraged. Don't be fearful. Why? The battle is not yours. These people, this army, that three nations are coming against you. It's not your battle. And when it says, but God's, It's the Hebrew name for Elohim, which is first mentioned in the very first verse of the Old Testament. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim. So the Holy Spirit is saying the one who is at the beginning, the one who is everything between there and where you are now, it's that God who is fighting your battle that God that is fighting your battle. Then he says tomorrow in verse 16, tomorrow march out against them. You'll find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not need to fight. Take your positions. There's that word again, stand. Take your position. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. All of those things are referred to in Jehoshaphat's prayer. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow. Why? The Lord is with you. So, stand still, watch, and we've got to take your position. So, We are powerless. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. He's saying, take your positions. He's saying, stand still. And he's saying, watch. I love it. Powerless, clueless, but looking to God. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same worshipping the lord i think it's funny when the bible says then king jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground have you ever tried to bow with your face not to the ground you can kind of bow i guess it can be done but it's rather awkward bow low with your face to the ground the the word ground there is referring to earth dirt and basically king jehoshaphat the king bowed low and got his face in the dirt. Why did he do that? Well, I think it was because he's showing humility. He's saying, in the face of God, I am dirt and I am humble. I can't do anything. And you know what? The people followed that example. I love that. I love that the people followed the example and they all got their face down in a humility position verse 19 says then the levites from the clans of koth and korah stood there's that word again stood to praise the lord the god of israel with a very loud shout now listen to this standing there means rising up and and when it says they stood to praise the lord this is the word which means to glory in God, to boast in God, to be madly excited about God, to shine, and in, in another, to like to flash forth light as you are praising God, uh, to celebrate. And it says a very loud. So if you think loud, when it says very loud, if you think loud, what it means is think loud and then think again. Like it's loud, loud. Now we're going to have a chance to do this. Now, I hope you're ready. Loud, loud. And then it says shout. Now, the word shout is like noise. I like this one. Thunder. Thunder. And it's a proclamation. Who's listening? God's listening. Who's listening? Your neighbor's listening. Who's listening? The devil is listening. That's why praise is so powerful. That's why praise is so vital. Because we put the devil in his place when we put God in His place. So I've run out of time, but I'm going to ask you, we'll just close the preaching there. But I'm going to ask you, would you stand with us as the band lead us in singing? Now I'm going to encourage you. It's going to be like a, if you want, you can bow. If you want, you can shout. You can shine your light. You can go mad. You can celebrate. It's going to be a Anybody out there? Yeah, yeah, there you are. It's going to be, it's going to be, I, I believe it's going to be wonderful. All right? In God, I believe it's going to be wonderful. Take it away.